Blog Talk Radio. We are live there. Let me get out of the way, and then you can okay. press the button. Let me get out of the way. All right. Okay. Start show button, right? Okay. Stay right there. I think I think we're okay. <laughs> You're about to hear a revolution in talk radio, Liberty Talk Radio, where the critical thinking will defrag your mind of propaganda-ridden viruses induced by mass media news programming. No BS here, just the facts. And now we present to you America's quintessential iconoclastic anomaly. Wow. In talk radio, your host, Joe Cristiano. Welcome, everyone, to Liberty Talk Radio, America's libertarian voice, broadcasting from our studio in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to around the world. I'm your host, Joe Cristiano, and this is your antidote to popular talk radio. Folks, it's time for us to take back control of our government now before this bureaucratic, oversized and self-serving federal government starves us of our property, our freedom, our rights, and our liberty. But to do this, we must shed conventional thinking regarding our political structure. We need to be revolutionaries in thought, dissidents in action. Only after we recognize what our government is doing to our freedom and our constitution will we start taking it back. And this program is just about that. Tonight, we're pleased and honored to have as our guest, Miss um, um, Mary Baker. Um, she is filling in for Patrick Wood, who is to be our original guest. Unfortunately, he, at the last minute, he couldn't make it. Uh, Patrick Wood, just for information, is the editor of the Technic. Technocracy News, and he's author of the book Technocracy Rising, the Trojan Horse of Global Transformation, and expert on globalization. And he founded the exec- and executive director of the Citizens for Free Speech, a tax-exempt nonprofit organization. Mary, our guest this evening, um, will be filling in for Patrick. Uh, Ms. Uh, Baker is uh, director of training for Citizens for Free Speech and author of Citizens Ninja, Stand Up to Power. This book is a primer on how to be an effective activist. Mary, welcome to Liberty Talk Radio. Thanks, Joe. So pleased to be here. Sorry, Pat couldn't make it. Oh, well, we're so pleased that you were able to make it. This is wonderful. (laughs) Well, you know, the the First Amendment, we hear very little about in the news. Very rarely does anyone even reference whether they be a congressman, a, a, a news broadcaster, anyone in, in that matter, for that matter. But yet it's such an important aspect of our lives. It is in the first um, amendment to the Constitution. And it's, and very, very plainly, it says, you know, uh, Congress, uh, let me read it. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof of the freedom of speech or the press or the right of people to peaceably assemble and um, to petition the government for uh, a regress of grievances. And so it makes it very simple. There's no weasel words in there. Free speech is free speech. But apparently uh, the, the First Amendment and free speech is constantly under attack. And I guess this is what um, I have not read uh, Patrick's book, but I suspect this is somewhat what he discusses in his book. So I'll let you take it away from there. <laughs> okay. He doesn't really talk about that in his book, but he is, so I'm a trainer on how to be an effective activist. And the reason we paired up together uh, is because, uh, first of all, he's the best student anyone could ever have. 
And uh, in the training, he realized I have all this information that I'm educating people about democracy, uh, the rise of globalization, and uh, how do I get people to do something about it? It's one thing to have the knowledge, but knowledge is an action. And so uh, it was wonderful. He took it on himself to uh, create, first of all, put the train online, and then he, um, he recognized that if we don't have freedom of speech, the freedom to be able to talk about these things, then, uh, then we are no longer a free society. And so this is why he started Citizens for Free Speech, because he thought he believes, and he's right, that if, if we are going to continue to be censored in the social platforms that we have available to us, like YouTube or Facebook, just to name a couple that are very popular, um, then we cannot advance. Not only can we not advance our society, we can't talk about things that we disagree about. Uh, we cannot educate people on topics right. uh, like technocracy news. Yeah. Well, uh, what approaches do you take with this uh, program? I mean, how how do you get into it? I mean, it it it, it almost seems you know sort of intangible in a way. Well. The training teaches people how to engage effectively, not just how to engage and just how to be an activist, but actually how to be strategic. But it also teaches a very important skill, how to have civil political dialogue. How, how can we talk about politics in a way that is civil, in a way that advances our ideas? Um, and then it also teaches you how to deal with bullies who want to shut you down, who want to censor you. You know, so these are really important skills if we are to promote, you know, and, and um, protect and defend the First Amendment, the free speech. Um, and I, I love this. If I want freedom to express my views, then I must allow others the freedom to ridicule me. Um, and that's kind of the deal, you know. But a lot of people think when they go out there and activate in the public square, that that just gives them license to be obnoxious. You know, or to be rude, or uh, to to be insulting. You know, and um, that's too bad because that isn't uh, that's not that's not advancing our our dialogue. Um, and so, so what I'm trying to teach is that there's actually a way to engage uh, where you can have civil discourse. You can and you can actually mitigate the ridicule you might get back for expressing your opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So part of uh, Citizens for Free Speech that he started, this 501c3, attached to it is a very, very powerful social network that we're in the middle of beta testing. And it's called Local Activist. And we started with localactivist.org. The idea was a social network where activists could come together and help each other, uh, share their activity, share their opinions about things, again, dialogue on topics. But it was also important that there's training connected with that because, uh, you know, to get out there and be effective and speak in a way where you can communicate, uh, you actually need training for that. You don't know really how to do that anymore. Well, quite frankly, I avoid ever talking politics with anyone, but I try to talk about the issues. And it seems that whenever I talk, uh, try to talk about an issue, 
regardless of what it is, people say, oh, are you a Democrat? Oh, are you a Republican? And I say, what difference does it make? And what effect does that have on our conversation? And why would that change the intent of what I'm asking? But they have to know if I'm a Republican or a Democrat. I say, well, I'm sometimes I'm a Republican on some issues, sometimes I'm a Democrat, and sometimes neither. Now, I get them so confused. They don't want to speak to me anymore because they want to know because they don't know how to attack me unless – now, if, I, if they're Republican, I'm Republican, everything's rosy in the garden, right? But if they're, if they're a Democrat and I say I'm a Republican, now we're going to start – now we're with dogs you know, in a dog fight. And it seems that I, it's so difficult to break that paradigm of being you know, left, right, left, right. Oh, are you a liberal? Are you conservative? Well, I don't know what that means. And I quite clearly never knew what it means. Now, in a way, I'm probably the most conservative person you've ever met in your life. But when it comes to rights, I'm the most liberal person that you've ever met in your life, you know? Um, so, and I never, and then when I, even when I say that to people, they go, well, we don't know what you mean. I said, this is the problem. This is why we cannot discuss anything. Am I way off base or am I just an anomaly or is this a problem that you face more often than I think? Oh, it's a problem everyone faces. And one of the things I discuss is and talk about is that there's a culture that is uh, attached to politics. We think of culture being, you know, uh, one country to another country, and they're different cultures. So when we think about politics, uh, there is culture attached to the Republican, you know, the Republican Party, or there's a culture attached to the Democrat Party or the Libertarian Party. And each one of those groups uses a specific language that they're familiar with, that is comfortable. And when you enter into a conversation where now you're speaking a different language, you know, it's English. But you're using different vocabulary, for example, or different terms. Hmm. All of a sudden, things get a little bit um, uh, go awry, and that's when you get the you get to these arguments. And so, part of what I teach is uh, a technique called pegging, where you ask questions of the person, and to determine uh, sort of what their biases, what their prejudices, what uh, where are coming from. What are they, what I call, are they uh, informed the way you are? Are they unformed? Are they misinformed? Or are they just partisan? Someone completely opposite from you. Once you determine that, then you, as a citizen ninja, uh, adapt your language, adapt your approach so that you can actually dialogue with the person and they don't feel threatened. And for each one of those groups, there's a way to talk that, that, that promotes conversation. If you're with an informed person, you can dive in deep into a topic right. and without fear of, of a problem, you know, coming up. If they're uninformed, well, you don't want to open the fire hose, you know, and fill their head in two seconds flat with all the information you ever compiled on the subject because right. that's overwhelming. Yeah. If they're misinformed, then that means they're misguided on their facts. And so then you want to slow down. They can get really defensive. And you want to share some facts with them on the topic, but from sources that they consider legitimate. So like a Republican talking to a Democrat, quoting facts from the Heritage Foundation or from Breitbart, well, they're not going to go over really well. But if you can find facts that support their position from Politico or Huffington Post, 
Now that's going to go over a lot better. And then finally, with a partisan, you just, when you talk to a partisan, you don't want to speak with them uh, the intent of trying to change their mind and their position over to yours. You simply want to listen and ask a lot of questions and get them to talk, you know, about their position and then try to find something that you have in common that from where you can start. So when someone asks you, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat, ask them why they want to know. My eyes usually cross when they do that. You know, my mind blanks out. You know, I feel like I'm going to faint and, 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 and leave this earth. Uh, it just, well, uh, recently um, I was reading in uh, um, the future pamphlet by the Future of Freedom Foundation. Um, um, and, uh, and Jeff Hornberger is the executive director of that organization, fabulous organization, which I, I also support that organization as well. And um, they had in, in this one uh, contributor uh, posted the Republican platform. Then next to wrote down what they do. They violated Every everything there was not one item in the Republican platform. Now they didn't do the Democrat. They just decided to do it to one. I, why they didn't do the Democrat? I'm sure if they had the Democrat platform, it would be the exact opposite, same thing, same result. Um, but it was in practice they violated every single one of the tenets within the Republican platform, and and I found that so interesting. I just read the last month, and I said. And yet the Democrats, you know, chastise Republicans, the Republicans chastise the Democrats, the Republicans chastise the Republicans. I mean, that's the way it should be. So when I'm asked, when they ask me, am I a Republican? I go, real Republican? Or, or you're, you're, you know, I don't even know what they're talking about. Because if you read the Democrat pro, the Republican platform, it is very libertarian, incredibly libertarian. In fact, it you think it was libertarian, 100%. And so these definitions are, are, are not real, first of all. They're inconsistent. And sometimes if you took the platform and reversed them, it wouldn't make a difference. So I, when people – and I go to business meetings, and I get approached very often because I know I'm on radio. And, um, and I get asked questions like that. I'm always stumped and I have most difficult time trying to get out of the conversation or ask them, why do you ask? Is there a subject that you'd like to discuss? I try to narrow it down, but I guess that's not the right approach, is it? Well, I think asking them why they're, why they're asking you that question is a good way to start because it puts back on them and then the way they answer it will inform you yeah. as to you know, where they're coming from. But you're so right to definition. Um, I'm actually just teaching a group of young Republicans, uh, training them on Citizen Ninja, and uh, I was telling them about how they are changing. We often hear a word or a term, and then we just make the assumption that we all have the same definition no. for that word or that term or that, or that idea, somehow that we share it. We make this assumption. I was in a... Um, I was in a, an ad hoc committee in my city, and we were working on a specific plan for updating our commercial corridor, the main street in town. And the consultants kept talking about town center. And 
I finally I said, wait a minute, what definition of a town center? And so he shares his definition, and it wasn't mine at all. It wasn't my <laughs> definition of a town center. And I said, okay, could everyone go around the room and tell, tell, share what your definition is of a town center? And let me tell you, we had 13 different definitions <laughs> of a town center. <laughs> so I think to assume it doesn't help you. So we need to ask for clarity. Well, what do you mean when you say that word? Or what, you know, what are your thoughts about that? What do you mean so that we can be on the same page? You know, and then get them to tell you instead of just making an assumption. That yeah. really helps. Yeah. That really helps. The, 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 I, I guess generally the, 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 the problem that I, I'm confronted with the most is the lack today, especially, critical thinking. And I'll give you a, just a small example. Um, we're talking about um, on television um, – the, the, the school system and um, how college students were uh, leaning today more towards the Bernie Sanders and socialism. But no one, nowhere in, on the news, and, and this has been broadcasted several times at several different stations in different, different ways, no one said, well, wait, folks, these students have gone to a government-run school for at least 12 years, maybe more. And they had taken some sort of history lesson most of those 12 years over. And after learning history and, you know, being educated about a form of government, the result is they think socialism is good. Isn't that a condemnation of our school system and the fact that it's not the government's job to educate our kids, it's the parents' job to educate our kids or not educate them and have them educate themselves, which are the most successful people in the world, by the way, you know, when they educate themselves and they drop out of school. And I know many of them, some of them are billionaires, you know, and if you ask, did you, what school did you go to? You went to high school. Billionaires, <laughs> you know, it's 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 absolutely amazing. But we never. It seems that we don't think critically, and thinking critically means go to the very core, go to the core core of the problem, and bring it forward. Am, am I a loner there, or do you, you do you run into that yourself? No. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, the kids talk about it. I mean, they talked about it today. Uh, they are told not how to think; they're told what to think. Exactly right. Right. Yes, they're told what to think uh, about things, and then they just get it out. You know, they just they parrot those things out. So they're taught that socialism is a better form of government than capitalism. Then that then that's that's what they're gonna you know believe. And of course, the professors are showing them all kinds of reasons as to why socialism would be better than capitalism, uh, and the the evils of capitalism. Uh, but they don't. Under- balance out the conversation and the kids are so right you know oh you froze up on me again Uh oh can you hear me Uh-oh. and they say you know i did i had a, a liberal friend and a liberal teacher and i wrote my paper according to her views so that i could get a good grade well what a shame you know who the worst thinkers are the teachers uh I, now that I'm sort of 
quasi semi-retired. I say that, but I'm working all day. But uh, I get occasions to go to the dog park. And in the cool months, I go to the dog park around four o'clock because it's a warmer part of the day. And I take the three dogs and we force the dogs and all that. And um, uh, the, the people that are there around four or five o'clock, teachers, because they get out earlier typically than people who work in a factory or, or business. And uh, I tried to have conversations. And believe me, I try not to be confrontational or, or you know, but I'll ask a question. They can't converse. They, they not answer question. They get very upset. And I think what it, what it tells me is they feel so insecure in their knowledge of things, the way things are, so, so insecure about the knowledge of the Constitution, about freedom, about our form of government. About, and I don't ask specific questions. I just They cannot carry on a conversation unless it's a question that's in their textbook, it seems. <laughs> and it seems that our education system uh, contributes to the problem that you face with your students in your class. I'm assuming that. Yeah, and their their speech is being limited. They and they are afraid. They are afraid even to to speak. And you know, you said don't speak politics in in polite company. Well, to me, it's really hurt us um, because if we can't generate ideas and hear other opinions. And, uh, you know, kind of that Socratic method, you know, of asking, answering questions and without, without, you know, it's okay to disagree without this attitude um, and without trying to convince the other person or coerce them. Uh, how can we can't move forward? And these kids who, who believe that uh, personal feelings are more important than, than, uh, Speaking, you know, speaking an opinion about something, they don't understand how they're pinning themselves into a corner. Um, it's sort of this abstraction for them, and they don't understand. And so this is Patrick's point, is that, is that holy cow, no one talks about free speech, but it's one of the most, it's, it's the preeminent uh, right that we have freely about something. And um, and I'm so grateful to him for this. And then he's backing up with this local activist, the new social network that looks just like Facebook, actually. People are going to be able to leave Facebook and come on to local activists, have a very, very similar platform. Groups are going to be able to communicate without fear of censorship. They're going to be able to organize. So it's basically, this is a ninja, being an effective activist is, is an individual thing that you do, right? You take personal responsibility for activating and influencing your community. Right. And then you get to community organize in the social network platform. And so localactivist.org, I believe, is launching in September. And he's looking for volunteers. And the way you volunteer is to go to citizensforfreespeech.org. Mm-hmm. Citizensforfreespeech.org. He's looking for... Um, volunteers, uh, especially to beta test this local activist site, and he's looking for donations so that he can do them. What I love about his approach is that he's not his. He says, it's yours. It, this is your network to populate, to set up events, to coordinate, and to express yourself and share opinions, um, and especially to focus at the local level. We're so focused on national and state, but that's not where our power is. Our power at the local level, where we can uh, influence 
elected officials and staff um, and where we can have lasting dialogue and a relationships and build our credibility. And uh, this is where our power is. And too many of us are so focused on the national and state level. Mm. In California, I'm nine hours from Sacramento. <laughs> I can't have any. I can't lobby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. So, I'm sorry. Good. No, no, go ahead. It's my, my, my wife's family was very much the type that, you know, you, you never say anything that could be even construed or even manipulated to be controversial or, uh, you know, you, 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 you paper over everything. Everything is nicey nice. And uh, I come from a family that came from the other side, from Europe. Oh, what on a me? You got <laughs> the conversations we had. I mean, the screaming over, you know, the supper and whatever. And and I really have to watch myself because my wife's family, when when well, most of them are passed away, unfortunately. But you know, when we got together, I had to make sure I zit up and I said absolutely nothing because even if you ask a, a very vanilla question, you know, it'd be they would translate and say, why is he asking that question? Does he want to start an argument? And I had to be very, very careful where in, with my family, if you didn't ask that question and just blurp it out, they'll want to know what the cat got your tongue, you know, why don't you talk to us? So wow. It's, it's a, it's, there's a big cultural difference, but I, 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 I'm getting very, very sour on our, uh, uh, our society. I, I think we've lost the, the very concept of constitution. What really hurt me two weeks ago, we went out to uh, breakfast with old friends, you know, people know from, for years and years and years. And the man is a, a businessman, he's retired. In fact, he's moving out of the state. He's moving to the East Coast, where his other part of his family lives. And right before he left, when we finished up, we had a very nice time. He said, you know, Joe, he said, now I realize Bernie Sanders makes a lot of sense. He said, you know, this socialism really has to go. He's a businessman. And I I said nothing because I, I, we were leaving the restaurant that I, I said nothing. And that affected me so much. I mean, I, I was, was physically sick for the entire game. I'm not making this up. I mean, my wife was like, I am really, and I wasn't angry with him. I mean, I wish I could have discussed it more. I was afraid that that would have turned into a disagreement. And my wife heard it as well. She said, I can't understand that. I said, you have no idea how, how that physically affected me. I say a word, I said, go by, thank you very much, nice seeing you, take care. I mean, nothing happened whatsoever. And it took two days to get over that. And I wonder if people who get into conversation regarding politics, which I hate having, but I like to talk about the, you know, the rights, freedoms of the Constitution, that's what I like to talk about, whether or not, you know, people feel that way and they avoid it because they don't want to go through the pain of it. Absolutely. I mean, think about conservative parents who send their kids out of college and come back and their values have changed. You know, they've, they've done a 180. It's incredibly painful. And then they don't know how to talk with each other. And then the, the relationship is broken uh, after that. So it, it happens 
between friends, it happens between spouses, and it happens uh, between parents and their kids. Um, and that's really tough. And, you know, I mean, obviously, some people come with reputations, like you are a radio talk show host, and you declare your position every day. So that's very difficult for you to backtrack on something or to appear less, uh, you know, less of a position on something. That's very difficult. And it's the same with a parent. You know, a parent is declared herself many times with the kids as they try to educate them about things and, and educate them on their values. Um, so suddenly, uh, you know, for a kid to come back from college and be saying things like, you know, I think that socialism is a good thing, uh, that puts, really puts the parent at a disadvantage because they can't come back and appear to be um, sort of the middle of the road. But what I do say to people is find what you have in common. Ask them why they feel this way. Why do they have this opinion? You know, and get them to talk about it. And often what happens is that they don't really have a good reason for it. It's right. just a bandwagon. Right. You know, it's just the appeal to emotion or something. Something has attracted it to them. Not, it's actually not a really solid and if you're gentle with those people and you get them to talk about why, using that democratic method of asking questions, sometimes you can get someone, you know, to see that maybe that's an extreme position yeah. Yeah. and yeah. isn't with those who go with their values. It, it, it's sometimes difficult even to have a conversation with people. For example, there are some organizations here in Tulsa and I invited to just a mostly and not to give a speech or anything, although I have, but, um, and they may be the religious right type people, you know, that are hardcore Republican. And I'd be sitting there, I avoid talking about politics, right? Like the play. And they'll ask, they say, are you Republican? Did you vote for so-and-so? And it, it puts me in a very difficult position. I'll say, well, no, I'm, I'm neither. I'm, I'm non-political, you know, and, and, it, it upsets them. I mean, they say, instead of saying, geez, that's interesting, tell me about it. Why are you? I would be more than happy to tell But they don't want to know that. They just want to know whether or not, are you with me or are you against me? And that's the attitude that they take. And I say, can't we get away from that? And and I think one approach that, well, one approach that I use, you please critique me, is that when someone gives me a, you know, makes a comment, mostly a political comment, you know, I ask them to say, well, why do you feel that way? And, and what evidence do you have that that's, in fact, correct? You know, and it's amazing. Very rarely do I get an answer. Now, I get an answer. Mm-hmm. They, say, they I say, oh, you must have voted for Obama. I mean, what, excuse me, what does that have to do with the price of beans in Denmark? I tell them, you know, I mean, I, I don't know where they came from. You know, we're talking, talking about this subject. And they have. In, in, not even another room. They're in another building. When they, they respond to me, I go, "Well, no, I didn't." They go, well, "Why say that?" And it just pollutes. And I guess pollutes the right word. It pollutes the conversation. I say, "I just want to know why you think that way." And I'd like you. Let's assume that I'm I'm disagreeing with you. Convince me that you're right with facts, something like that. And boy, most of the times people get angry. They go, "Well, I don't want to discuss it." Yeah. They don't want to discuss it. Well, yeah, I, don't want, no, I, don't. I don't want to discuss it. You know, <laughs> you brought it up. Now finish it. And you know what? And, and these people, 
never speak to me again. I mean, no argument, yeah. but they, if they're in the room and they see me, boom, they're on the other side of the room. And I go, yeah, because so, you've exposed them. You've exposed, you've exposed something in them that's threatening to them. Uh, and so that tells you, you know, and, and one of the things I say about pegging, but really, unless someone is, has emotion regulation and is willing to have a good debate uh, without trying to convince know the other person yeah. to their position um don't waste your time you like why would you waste your time doing that you know go go and hang out with the uninformed right you know and the misinformed <laughs> right <laughs> you know go hang out with them and you know educate them uh and talk with them because you're gonna it just you're gonna get further uh than with people who are so opposite but what they're doing is they're throwing down fallacies you know, they're attacking, they're throwing down a, a red herring, you know, a smoke screen, a, anything, but to have to actually be held accountable to what they believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, it's amazing. And, and, and especially when it comes to uh, unjustified armed conflicts, you know, and hardcore, some people hardcore, I mean, knew everybody, you know. Um, and, and let and let the law be with you type thing. And it, it, it's a convoluted conversation. It's so contradictory. It violates just basic human rights and everything. But it's okay because we're doing it. But God forbid somebody else does it, all bets are off the table. Well, let me ask you, if I, we're, we have about another five minutes. What approach, you, you, you explained the approach that you take. What are the main subjects that you cover in, in your course? Well, one of the first ones is how to manage your emotions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Said, I have no like, problem with yeah. that. None, none whatsoever. <laughs> so a, a lot of people, you know, fear and anger are two of the biggest emotions that get people either into trouble or keep them from speaking or acting in some way. Yeah. So first of all, we have to address that. Uh, then I teach a series of tools. Um, so I, t- I talked about a couple of them, you know, pegging and uh, asking questions, uh, making statements, the different ways that we can make a statement. Um, I talk about zones of awareness. So operating in a zone with basically uh, situational awareness. A lot of people are just constantly in the rest zone where they're not looking for opportunities for dialogue and they're not looking for opportunities to engage. And, uh, and so then they miss the opportunities when they, when they go into the red zone of engagement. And what happens too, is when you're in this blue zone, a resting zone, like you would be at home where you're not having to think about much. I mean, if, and if you are, you're kind of figuring out your position and what it is, but you don't threatened in any way. You relax. Most people will go to a provocative situation in rest zone, and it really doesn't go well. So you have to be operating in this awareness zone where you're paying attention to your environment, to with to who with whom you're speaking, um, so that you don't all of a sudden find yourself in a corner, you know, getting uh, bullied and attacked. Uh, so you have to have a modicum of awareness of what's going on around you. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you could be at a party and be in a rest zone, and then all of a sudden someone engages you with a question, and if you don't quickly switch your zone, you're in big trouble. 
it's not going to go well because you're going to react emotionally instead of responding thoughtfully to really different ways of of acting. So I teach a bunch of techniques and then I teach um, kind of what are the bully ways that you're bullied, you know, whether it's nudging and propaganda or uh, whether it's uh, through the use of false arguments, you know, fallacies, uh, or whether it's bully facilitators at, at meetings, you know, that, that facilitators that want to nudge you in a specific way. Um, those are all things that uh, I teach. Um, I teach. It's, it's, it's really comprehensive, but it, you, can, you can read the book in one day and be outdoor uh, practicing this stuff. Um, and if you want the training, it's eight hours. And right, it's going to be on local activists, the training. It's eight hours video of me talking to you with a training manual. And, um, you know, it's just, it's excellent. You just feel like you're now in control. And you're not just in control, you're effective. And you're not wasting your time. And you're influencing the environment around you. And uh, those are all really self-interested goals, but that's what gets people going, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, the lofty goals are good, but that doesn't always inspire you to get out of your comfort zone and go do something that's hard. Yeah. And do, I make it easier for you. Do you advocate for the person who's making, yeah, usually an outlandish statement, you know, that, that the receiver of that information just asks more questions rather than responding you know, asking for clarity, but specifics and such. Is that part of the process? Yes, yes. It's not assuming. It's asking for clarity. Um, and it's adjusting your language to that you can, the point is to have a dialogue. The point isn't to throw up a wall and, uh, you know, walk away. And if you're going to have influence in government, you absolutely have to be credible and professional. So that you can have an influence, yeah. uh, because you can't coerce. Power is a matter of influence, not coercion. So when you go in and try to coerce, you're going to get nowhere. Right. But if you go and you try to influence, you're not going to always get what you want, and you shouldn't, <laughs> because we're not all the same, and we have to somehow find consensus on what you know what is good, what is going to be the best. Um, but you should be in an environment where everyone can talk about. What they think, uh, and uh, arrive at some sort of consensus rather than being bullied into it, nudged. Yeah, and so I teach how to deal with that. Do you teach that we have to accept the fact that we may be learning something in the process because we all, all want to be the teacher, right? We all want to, I want to tell you how the cow is the cabbage, cabbage, right type thing. But I have to remind myself that wait a minute. I have more to learn than I have to give, and I have to open up, and I have to listen carefully and make certain I understand what the person is saying, and I may be better for it. I'm the one that may be wrong in this case, you know, but it's a very, you know, very difficult because I'm not perfect. I remember um, uh, 42 years ago, I made a mistake, so I'm not perfect, <laughs> you know, type thing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, we have to remind ourselves that, you know, there's a possibility, as right we think we are, there may be something. We may not be wrong, but we, there's something that we can learn in this process. And that's something that I, I know I have to force myself to do. 
Is that part of your program or in your program? It is. It is. It's that, but also finding what it is you have in common because the way dialectic is now is very, it's a very Marxist approach. Constant, there's conflict is eternal. There's a constant struggle and people are pitted against each other um, in the struggle. Well, that's not healthy. That's not healthy dialectic. So if we can, uh, first of all, find what we have in common, because that begins the conversation and puts everyone at ease. Clarify, you know, what, what they're, how they're defining things. So we're not making assumptions about, well, how do you define socialism? Or how do you define capitalism? Let's get on the same page about that. Right, and yeah, then yeah. Uh, I'm willing to learn from you, you know, and be a role model that way. And then that shows the other person, okay, well, they're willing to listen to my opinion. Okay, I think I'll listen to yours too. Um, and my gosh, if we could do that, it'd be fabulous. Just, just like, you know, I'm, I'm Italian from New York, East Harlem. I do up back in the 50s. And Michael Louie belonged to that big company. It started with an M. It wasn't Monsanto, but it started with an M. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, but everyone assumes, oh, you must have been the mafia. You know, it, it's a stereotyping. And once you got the stereotype, then they put you in this little box, right? And these are the answers they expect from you. And when you don't respond in that regard... They're thrown off guard. Anyway, I just find this whole conversation. By the way, we are out of time. I, I, I can talk to you all day long. Believe me, I was a wonderful <laughs> guest. I, I want to thank you so much for being with us this evening. And I do hope that you will accept our invitation to return at a later date and we can continue yeah. this conversation. And please tell um, Patrick that we appreciate you know, his, his acceptance to be in the program. We'd like to hear from him someday, and we want to thank him for allowing you to be, be his, uh, his substitute for today. You've done fabulous <laughs> job. You an A plus, okay? I want to <laughs> okay, thank you thank so much. You. So if you have any parting words, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the last 30 seconds. Oh, well, just if people could go to citizensfreespeech.org and support Patrick's uh, uh, effort, and then uh, localactivist.org in the fall, a social, amazing social network. If you're head of a group, you will want to be part of it, okay. and, uh, and then that's where you can find my training. Okay, very good. Thank you so much. I hope to see you again soon. Thank you Thanks, so Joe. much. Folks, this is the end of today's broadcast. We'd like to like this.